What's good, everybody? Welcome into the Mid-State 48 after week number one. Chris Brooks along with Tom Duggan and Scott Burton and a big week one in the books. And uh, guys, I'll bring you all in. Let's just get right to it because we got a lot to get to this week. Um, week one of the books, a big week for some teams and and some kind of some surprises, too, in the books, right? Oh, yeah, there there were definitely some surprises you'll be able to tell later uh, when we go through some of our other uh, segments, uh, exactly what we saw. But, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a good week one. Uh, it was a surprising week one. Yeah, exactly, guys. I think uh, it was good to see a lot of matchups against some power teams across the mid-state. And uh, I think we saw a good measuring stick for some teams that maybe we had some questions about going into week one. Of course, uh, um, you know, a lot can change by the end of the regular season, but some great matchups. The one thing, though, that I'm not liking seeing is the COVID trending upward a little bit, guys, as we get set for week two. And uh, some games had to be postponed or canceled altogether already. And it looks like it's going to be a concern again this year, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, we record this on Tuesday nights, and uh, as of the time we hit record, at least 10 games already out for week two due to COVID cases among some programs. Notably in the mid-state, Blackman at Gallatin will not be played. That game, Gallatin will go on October 8th and play a home game, or they're looking for a home game now. Also, I believe Rockvale and Smyrna, which was scheduled for Thursday night, is also off the board. So, like I said, it's just Tuesday, and there could be more games added to this list very soon. Yeah, and, and we would remiss, uh, be remiss not to say that on top of the COVID news, uh, we are all uh, very heartbroken over the events that have happened over in Humphreys County. Um, you know, Waverly, all that with the flooding and, and the people that are missing. And I know that, uh, you know, you don't think about football at times like that, but uh, we've seen uh, that the, uh, the program over there, Waverly, took a hit. Um, they're, you know, their football field, it was amazing. It was just flooded. Their field house was flooded. Uh, and and your heart breaks over over things like that. But on, you know, the one of the things that makes the Mid-State special, makes uh, football and Middleton C special, is to see the programs that stepped up and have uh, are working to help out with donations to the school, donations to the community, equipment, you know, those things that really uh, – tell you that this is while football is a competition it really is kind of a a unique family among programs yeah definitely for sure and waverly was scheduled to go to columbia academy on friday that game has been canceled as well and no word as to how they're going to move forward or if they'll be able to move forward this season they won't be able to play their field this season we know that but uh, just an awful situation uh, for a, a program and a community who, who went through so much over the weekend it's just amazing images and heartbreaking images and certainly our thoughts and prayers go out to that community as well absolutely um let's go ahead and move forward and kind of take a look back if you will at, uh, at week one um games from thursday to saturday and you know we started thursday night at at Kane ridge at pearl comb playing the ravens tom and uh and uh, some youth stood out big time for the Firebirds there. Oh, absolutely. You know, and uh, we, we learned going in that Barry and Brown is not going to be on the field for Pearl Cone. And uh, uh, certainly when you heard that news, you wondered, well, how will that affect Pearl Cone? Because they do have some young players on that offense. But uh, uh, Malachi Cromwell, Cromwell and Jaden Robinson didn't seem to mind at all as uh, 
the Cromwell with 217 yards and then Robinson 161. Uh, Chris, I described it after the fact as it looked like a video game. They would just, you know, hand off to one guy going left, one guy going right. And uh, then you had uh, Randall Hodge also coming up with 81 yards. I believe it was 461 total yards rushing for Pearl Cone. And uh, that's a scary thought when you do realize they're young. And, and on top of that, they should get Barry and Brown back this week. So an impressive effort. And, and you know what, Chris, what really impressed me too is how physical Pearl Cone was. Now, both teams really were right out of the gate. But I thought Pearl Cone really in the second half started to assert their dominance. And as they started to pull away a little bit, uh, you know, you could just kind of see just that deflation on that Cambridge sideline. And that's a very good football team. I think it was a real good statement win for Pearl Cone in week one. Yeah, and this game was close all through the first half. In fact, it was a five-point game at halftime. And then, as Eddie Woods put it, the, the second half, you know, Pearl Cone just uh, took the win out of their sails that first drive of the second half. They just kind of kind of ran it down Kane Ridge's throat, and that seemed to really do him in. Uh, Kane Ridge opened up with a special teams touchdown, had a, a bad punt snap. They recover a fumble, run it back in, and actually led for a while. But then the Firebirds started to run wild, and uh, getting Barry and Brown back this week will be a big boost for them, considering they've got to go to NBA, which is a game we'll talk about later on in the show. Friday night, uh, Tom, you were at Blackman for Chandler Tigard's debut with the Blaze, and turns out to be one of the shootouts of the week. Man, what a football game this was. And, uh, you know, it looked like it was going to be defense really right out of the gate for this football game. As you see, the, a big hard hit of safety as Holt Jackson takes down uh, Jack Reisner in the end zone. And all of a sudden you feel like, hey, Brentwood, you know, defending Class 6A runner-up. They're here to play tonight. And uh, uh, this young Blackman team, how would they hold up? And, in fact, um, it, it was Blackman that jumped out and got a good sizable lead. Uh, there in that second half, I think it was 32-16 at one point. They had scored something like 14 unanswered points, but then here comes Brentwood. They start rallying, and they grab the lead late in the fourth quarter, and when you just felt like, well, you know, Brentwood, their experience and all this is going to carry them on the victory tonight. Well, here comes Blackman, and what really breaks your heart, you got Scott Collins, the running back there for uh, Brentwood. Had a fantastic night. Four touchdown runs the other night, but uh, some hands got in there. Blackman made some good defensive plays, popped loose a couple of footballs. They were able to recover fumbles, shorten the field. They get downfield and score a couple of times. They're late in the fourth quarter. And for Coach Tiger, what a win for him in his debut because, you know, leading up to that game, they'd had kind of the same issue happen in some uh, preseason work where they had a pretty good lead and uh, their opponent came back, got the lead back over them. And as young teams sometimes do, they just didn't know how to battle back. But that wasn't the case on Friday night. Well, they come back in an impressive win for Blackman in their season opener. Yeah, I wonder about the pace that they wanted to run. Uh, did you kind of see that offensive that pace? You, you could, as they you could, to it? Yeah, certainly you could. You could see that they really want to go. They want to go, go, go. But, but what really set them back, particularly in the first half, uh, a lot of penalties. You know, you had a lot of dead ball stuff going on. And, and Coach Tiger even mentioned it after the game. They just really didn't get into the kind of ebb and flow that they wanted to. But – I think you saw it more, particularly in that fourth quarter, as they started to rally. And uh, uh, Reisner, you know, we saw him in the backfield, but also Peyton Thomas, their second-string quarterback, he was back there. And, and they were doing all kinds of just wild plays with Reisner tossing to Thomas, Thomas throwing downfield or, or running out on sweeps. And uh, this is going to be a fun Blackman offense to watch. People are going to love watching this offense. And, uh, you know, one thing Coach Tiger really wanted to pull out 
or put out after the game was the fact that, you know, this is not just a gimmick offense. This is the way these guys coach. And, uh, you know, they've got some really neat looking plays out there. And uh, they kept uh, they kept Brentwood off balance most of the night. I, I was impressed by what I saw. But I think he wants to play faster moving forward. Yeah. Well, Tom, uh, we know that uh, these up-tempo offices, uh, offenses often have uh, issues with the defense. Uh, we saw late in the game that the defense actually stepped up for uh, for Blackman, and then we saw some turnovers on the Brentwood side. Do you think that uh, the tempo uh, got to Brentwood in the fourth quarter, maybe tired them out uh, offensively, or do you think that the uh, uh, just you know did you see any indications of the effect that offense had on the other team? I tell you what, Scott, actually late third quarter and early on into the fourth quarter, I thought Brentwood's defense was playing as well as they played the entire night. I just didn't see any true residual effect. And, uh, of course, with a bigger roster, you know, you can run more kids in and out, and it doesn't quite affect you as much. But what what really got it, I think, was not the first fumble, but the second fumble when uh, – uh, Blackman had the ball, I think it was on the 21-yard line. They had a short field, a chance to score, to uh, to reclaim the lead in this football game. I, I think they were deflated and they were tired at that point because it was like boom, boom. You know, you had these, these fumbles on just a handful of plays. And the defense, who had been so emotional late in the third quarter and early in the fourth quarter, they had to find a way to pick themselves back up again. Then you have a couple of turnovers. That was real deflating for them. But as far as the tempo goes, it didn't affect them as much as I thought it would. But now – had Blackman been able to get into the kind of flow early on that I think they wanted to without all the penalties and everything, it might have been a different ball game late uh, in that third quarter where, you know, it didn't look like it affected Brentwood quite as much. Yeah, I think one of those themes that you touched on, the penalties in week one, it's obviously week one is kind of a crapshoot because of, you know, you're still getting into a rhythm from training camp and getting in, getting your legs under your But a lot of flags and a lot of games this week and a lot of cramps too, which is another – Thing I think what most of us saw Friday night with it with the heat and humidity, but uh, Scott, let's uh, turn to you. And you had NBA and Ravenwood. This one was supposed to be Ravenwood, but their turf was not ready yet. So right. it was with the NBA, and NBA was not a gracious host. Uh, no, they weren't. Um, and but uh, you know, Ravenwood was uh, in all in every sense a gracious uh, visitor. Uh, yeah, this was supposed to be the matchup between Marcel Reed and Chris Parson. This was supposed to be. Uh, a shootout uh, going to the uh, to the very end, and really what happened was is that you saw a very poised, very uh, nearly flawless NBA team. Uh, they did an excellent job mixing run with pa- uh, run with pass, um, and the Raptors just couldn't seem to get a stop when they needed one. They just ground them down. Um, NBA took the opening drive, eighty yards, punched it in with Red Hales. Um, you know. Parson was fired up. He engineered a two-play drive next, uh, wound up throwing a 54-yard uh, touchdown pass on the second play. Now, one thing that uh, we didn't learn about until we were there is that uh, uh, they were missing Miles Pollard. Ravenwood was their, uh, the Michigan uh, commit and uh, defensive back, star defensive back. I don't know, though, in the end of things, how much difference that would have made because, quite frankly, just NBA just simply – could not be stopped. They, uh, I believe, they done, did not have a uh, a down that they didn't score on, except for both kneel downs and one punt in the fourth quarter. Let me tell you, Marcel Reed, he is cool in the pocket. You know, he reads the rush well. He's just a heck of a player. Never seems to get too high, too low. 
Um, only 94 yards passing, but boy, he was effective. But they have found themselves a running game with Red Hales. Uh, you know, he had 22 rushes, 150 yards, three touchdowns. But to me, the difference in the game was the offensive line of NBA just uh, were, were just relentless on the defensive line. So really the line play of NBA because they harassed Chris Parson all night long. Yeah, just a, a kind of a surprising score, but I think you touched on it, though. NBA kind of really you know, set themselves apart from, from Ravenwood with, with that running game with, with Red Hales and the, just a statement win for the Big Red. And there were some questions about them entering the year, and I think they answered them pretty quickly. So definitely one of those games that, uh, that stuck out in week one. Um, one Another one that did, um, I was at Middle Tennessee Christian. They had DCA at home, and this was supposed to be a, a quarterback showdown between Bradford Gaines and Aiden Hooper, and it just turned out not to be that way. Uh, DCA won 48-16, and really their running game was also the biggest the biggest one, the biggest factor. Ashton Jones scored on his first two touches, a 50-yarder and a 7-yarder in the first quarter, and DCA was pretty much off and running. Uh, Middle Tennessee Christian, they just couldn't get anything going on the ground, in the air. Hooper had only 32 yards passing in the night, and, and DCA, Bradford Gaines, hit a big touchdown pass to Nathan Magali for 70 yards, and Wildcats just kind of ran all over MTCS, and they kind of made a statement themselves that they're a serious contender in Division II Class A this year. And another kid from DCA, Brady Russell, three carries, 70 yards, three touchdowns. Wow. Sufficient night. In fact, he had one call back, so he would have been four for four. Wow. That had not been for a flag. And But this game, the penalties we talked about earlier, the penalties were a big part of this one. 28 combined penalties between the two teams. And DCA had 15 for 127. 127 yards. So some week one, some week one rust has got to get shaken off in a, in a hurry for them moving forward as far as the penalties are concerned. But uh, Paul Wade was definitely happy with the effort with his with his team and certainly happy with his running backs because they did the job and beat what we think is a pretty good MTCS team that was missing about 12 to 14 players for various reasons. Uh, the injury bug had been kind of going through that program early on. So they're hoping to get some guys back later on and hopefully that they'll be a little bit more effective during the season. We talk about uh, another game that uh, took place in week one. This was a Saturday night show over in Gordonsville, and Gordonsville shut out Smith County 14 to nothing. And another one of these just knocked down, drag out defensive showdowns between these two teams, and there are rivals that have gone back, you know, 89 years, like since 1930. So, you know, Smith County showed out, and, and as far as the crowd was concerned, because that was a great atmosphere, Scott, you and I were there. Yeah. Pretty good night for it. Oh, yeah. It was uh, it was amazing. Uh, they had had tailgates out there. Uh, <laughs> parking was an adventure. Uh, if you got there, you know, if you weren't there an hour early, you were late. Um, it was, found out. <laughs> yeah, we both <laughs> found that out. Um, you know, seriously, it. It was really an electric atmosphere. Uh, both stands were active. Um, and, you know, the, the great thing was is that I think as a community, once again, it was a, a rivalry game, but it didn't seem to be, you know, have, you know, too much of that heated stuff and more of just like a fun crosstown rivalry to it. Yeah, and Gordonsville's defense shut out Smith County for the second straight year. Um They've done it a couple yeah. times before, but this one, it seemed like Smith County just never could get anything going <laughs> offensively 
against Gordonsville's front. And and on the other side, you know, Smith County's front kept Gordonsville's running game in check. Yeah, uh, you know, that Smith County has some beasts up front, and I think it's just going to be a matter of time. They're missing an awful lot of players, including their starting quarterback and one of their starting offensive linemen, defensive linemen, uh, one of the biggest guys I've ever seen. So, um, you know, they're missing some people, so they can't do a lot of things they want to do. Um, it, it's it's unfortunate, but, you know, you play through those things. Um, I think that this – you know, I, that Smith County team is going to get a lot better. Gordonsville is going to have to uh, get a lot better, too. Uh, you know, they made some mistakes out there, and they uh, they had some trouble with those bigger, uh, bigger linemen. Yeah, both teams had fumble trouble. I mean, this game yeah. had a lot of footballs hitting the ground. 11 combined fumbles between the two teams. Gordonsville lost two of them, and – Matthew Albritton had a great night, 12 of 18, passing 218 yards and a touchdown. He hit it. He hit Landon Baker for a 81-yarder. It was a little pitch and catch and run 80, 90 yards to get to the end zone. But seven catches for 163 yards for Baker. Trayson Davis had four catches for 55. He went on a jet sweep and scored the other the other TD for Gordonsville. But you know, they they've got some. Uh, they're a little bit undersized up front. They're going to have to throw the ball quite a bit because the running game. They were held to minus yardage in, in that game Saturday night, and they'll be they'll need to be able to throw it effectively to to run a good offense. Yeah, I think the mo- the the most impressive throw of the night was the one that set up the second uh, the second touchdown, where he had to evade the rush and then throw on the run and managed to hit uh, a receiver uh, dragging across the field. Um, it was uh, late in the downs, and uh, they needed a spark, and he was able to provide to provide it. Just enough of a spark to, to get them to a 14 to nothing win. And, and they'll be at Watertown this week in a game that we'll talk about and pick later on in the show as well. We do need to take a break. So when we come back, we'll jump into some of the week two games and talk about them and get ready for Friday night. This is the Mid-State 48 presented by 615 Preps. Stay with us. We're back in a bit. Welcome back to the Mid-State 48 where we get you ready for week two in 48 minutes or less. Barring overtime, of course. Of course, last week we kind of needed a little bit, but uh, week one was such a big week with a lot of non-region games that uh, it took a while for us to get through them all. Week two, the schedule kind of has some uh, some good games and then some that uh, may wind up being mismatches, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about some of these good games. And we'll start with Brentwood Academy and CPA. Now, these two teams, they're literally two, like two miles apart, so kind of a neighborhood tussle for these two private schools, but uh, should be a good one there at CPA Friday night. Yeah, I think so. It's going to be a really good game, in my opinion. Uh, you know, Lions had their way with independence, even with a part-time Cade Law. You know, as he gets stronger, this team's only improving. Uh, you know, Eagles come off a big win at Florence, Alabama. Uh, but by the stat sheet, B.A. gave up 351 yards on 52 attempts against Florence. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if the Lions can put up another big running day against the Eagles. Um, on the other hand, you know, you know, BA, you know, they did benefit from, uh, from several Florida's miscues. So they, they're good at getting teams to turn the ball over. At least they were in that first game. So it's going to be really interesting to see, uh, who, who can, who can win that battle in the trenches. Um, I think that, uh, it's really going to be, uh, a really good game, but I think a lot of it, 
depends on how healthy Cade Law is. Yeah, that's going to be a big factor in that game, certainly. And, uh, you know, looking at Brimwood Academy, they may need some of those turnovers coming up on Friday night to, to slow down this, uh, you know, this quick CPA, especially if you get uh, a Cade Law that's in, you know, is a little bit better than he was last week, a little bit more healthy. And um, games always talk about the trenches. Scott, you mentioned that. I always love to talk about the trenches and uh, how important that is. And, uh, uh, you know, when you look at, at the experience there, I, I give a little bit of that, I think, right now to CPA in the trenches. I think they're just a little bit further ahead there. And, uh, uh, I, you know, Brentwood Academy is a great program, have been for a long, long time. This ought to be a great game, guys. I think it'll be a fun game to watch. But uh, I think some things are going to have to bounce Brentwood Academy's way Friday night because CPA, you know, they've looked good in the preseason and look pretty good in week one as well. They really have. And uh, considering that they beat a pretty good independence team by 27 points, I mean, that's a statement win for CPA right off the bat. And mm -hmm. K-Law is not 100% yet. And he's going to get there at some point. When he does, look out because this CPA team, they're on a mission and they've already started out better than they have in the years past on, as far as our early season results are concerned. You know, yeah. They, yeah. They, schedule, they schedule hard for a reason. Yeah, and I think that uh, Landon Wells is going to have uh, a lot to say about this game as well, the quarterback over at uh, B.A. Uh, if he plays mistake-free, uh, mistake uh, he can open up the offense. He's going to open up some room for Deuce Scott. Uh, he's uh, got a great receiver in Ian Scott, and uh, they could make things a lot uh, very interesting if they, can, if they can mix it up and keep the Lions on their heels. I like Deuce Scott a lot as a runner, too. Got to see him a couple of times last year. Just a hard-nosed, tough kid. Not afraid to go in there, but can also get outside and turn him on as well. And uh, He'll be a key for B.A.'s success at CPA on Friday night. Uh, just down the road in Brentwood, Father Ryan at Brentwood. The Bruins got to bounce back after that tough loss at Blackman. Father Ryan had a good win over East Nashville in week one, so they're on a high note going into week number two. Guys, uh, what do you think about Brentwood and Father Ryan? Well, take a look at Brentwood right off the top, you know, talking to their coach after the game last week. You know, how do you bounce back from such an emotional loss? That's the uh, the biggest thing coming out of a game Friday night where you had so much momentum going and then the turnovers just got you down the stretch. I mentioned the two fumbles, but they had an interception also late as well. How do you bounce back? And uh, sometimes these young men, they can put it behind them just as, you know, just as quick as uh, they let it get to them. But in some cases, maybe it lingers a little bit. And you're going up against a pretty good Father Ryan team coming up this week as well. Uh, I'll just be interested to see the mindset of Brentwood and how they will bounce back from such an emotional loss, such a tough loss there in week one. Yeah, I expect Scott Collins built on his yard, yardage total in this game. I think they'll play much more disciplined at home than they did in that first game got that first game jitters out this team is too talented to not to learn from mistakes and and, and to uh not be able to put things behind them that being said this father ryan team is uh very very good especially offensively um you know they had 374 total yards against uh, an east nashville team uh, I think that uh, it, it's got the makings of a really good game, but I think that uh, Brentwood doesn't seem to type to be the kind of team that, you know, doesn't learn from uh, mistakes and improve. Yeah, and just to bounce back on that just a minute, Scott, where you were talking about Scott Collins, I, I talk about a young man that I watched the other night who just seemed to get better and stronger as the game went on. And I'm talking about on into the third quarter, even in the fourth quarter, you know, despite the fumbles, which those were assisted on by, you know, just good hands by, by Blackman. But this kid, they're going to have to find a way to stop him. People who play 
Brent Lloyd are going to have to stop Scott Collins because this young man runs. He runs hard. He runs tough. And he's got some pretty good speed on him as well. So that's a young man you're going to have to game plan when you play Brentwood. Yeah, it's good balance for the offense, especially for Davis White, a quarterback with uh, having Collins at the backfield like that. And I, I like Brentwood coming back home after that type of loss. It would be a little different if they had to go on the road again. But coming back home, being in front of your fans for the first time of the season, getting on your field and being able to try to shake that off. that That's a good situation to be in coming off of a loss like that. So I'm looking forward for Brentwood to try to bounce back in a big way this week. Good Pasture in Nashville Christian is actually our fans' choice game of the week that you, the fans, chose for us to cover on Friday night. This one could be interesting. Uh, you know, Good Pasture kind of surprised some people. They beat USJ 29-28, uh, and Nashville Christian also came up with a win last week as well. Uh, Scott, what do you think about this one? Well, a lot of how this game winds up is going to be dependent upon who gets the running game going. But this honestly could be a shootout somewhere in the 30s or 40s. These two offenses are powerful. Um, yeah, good pasture. You know, they knocked off USJ. Anytime you knock off USJ, it's an impressive win regardless of who you are. You know, they have a sizable line that they've got a good quarterback in A.J. Brooks. Uh, Tanner Lang is a, a tall, speedy receiver. He can take a hit. Uh, they run a lot of stretch plays at the corner, so they got they have speed. Uh, the spread offense uh, is powerful. Nashville Christian is no slouch. Tyler Morris, uh, he's a he's a run and pass threat. Uh, you know they've got several good uh, running backs. Josh Strickland Jr. was their leader last week, but. Um, Defensively, I think Nashville Christian may be just a little bit better. Um, I know they had four sacks last week. Um, the thing that got the that gets you though is that this could go down to a special teams battle, and if it does, Nashville Christian's got to clean some stuff up. They gave up two kickoff returns on special teams last week. Yeah, and you can't do that. I mean, that that's uh, that's something that's just hard to overcome when you give up not not one but two special teams plays like that. Very difficult to overcome. I, I'd love good pastures size in the offensive line. Scott, you mentioned that. I'm always big on that. Having veterans in the trenches, I think that always kind of gives you a leg up. But I do like this Nashville Christian team. I like what they've got offensively. They've got some great speed. You know. You mentioned Strickland, but there's Dion King out there. There's Jamel King out there. Two guys that are just very fast out there on offense. Nashville Christian, that offense, it's going to be tough for good pasture to defend. And uh, like you said, this could end up being a high-scoring game between these two. And, and like you, I kind of give the edge on defense just a bit to Nashville Christian. Yeah, on the coaching matchup here, you've got Greg Cotton, who got his first win as a head coach last week, and then on the other side, you got Jeff Brothers, a veteran at Nashville Christian. That this is going to be a kind of a, a tale of the the younger head coach against the veteran, and uh, we'll see how this one plays out. Independence at Lipscomb Academy is the next one on our list, and Lipscomb Academy decided they were not going to mess around. Sixty-two first half points against Greater Atlanta Christian. They won seventy-six to seven, and Luther Richardson played a half and really didn't even need, need to play that much. Now, and Greater Atlanta Christian, uh, you know, from what I can tell, they're not a bad program. They went 12-1 and last year. The only game they lost was in the playoffs. So I think that, you know, I'm not knowing what they had coming back this year. It, it doesn't look like, uh, like they were trying to schedule uh, anybody that was too weak. Um, but, 
yeah, Chris, as you said, I mean, Luther Richardson was just perfect. 16 to 16, 277, three touchdowns. Um, you know, Alex Broom had a, a good day rushing and receiving. Um, you know, but let's talk about Caleb Beasley. <laughs> this, uh, this kid, you know, not only is he a good defensive back, but he returned a pick and a fumble for a score. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, if if he could have, uh, I don't know, blocked a punt for one, he'd have got the hat trick. I don't know. But, you know, 468 yards of total offense. Uh, defense didn't give up much and had two picks. So, uh, you know, you know Lipscomb Academy had a great, great day. And, you know, what, what can you say? That's going to be a tough – they're a tough out for anybody. Yeah, and I spent some time last week trying to find out some information about their opponent, you know, being from out of the state and everything, just trying to to learn a little bit. Like you said, I, I found them to be a pretty good football team. So you feel like this is a good measuring stick game right out of the gate for Lipscomb Academy. But, uh, yeah, 62 points in the first half, guys. They, uh, they were there to play. I think Lipscomb Academy genuinely has a chip on the shoulder. It's been a long time since they've uh, brought a gold ball home. They want one. Trent Dilfer's just really got this uh, program – just really, really playing hard and uh, just rolling right now. And uh, I, I, again, I, I'm just still waiting for Lipscomb CPA. I know it's a ways down the road, guys, but uh, uh, those two teams really playing some excellent football just right out of the gate already. And we can't forget independence in the situation. It's a tough draw for them to go from CPA to Lipscomb Academy the first two weeks. Yeah, who did they make mad? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean, the thing well, about Independence, I think this is a good football team, and yeah. they're just gonna they're gonna take some lumps early on, but they'll be better for having played these two teams up front. Oh, absolutely! And mistakes killed them last week. I mean, honestly, you know, CPA is a team that thrives on creating turnovers and and playing, uh, you know, solid football. They're like Iceman in in Top Gun. They just they they you know beat you with uh, fundamentals until you make a mistake. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't get any better this week. Uh, but you know that uh, Sky Blade is going to make uh, mistake-free football uh, uh, a topic of, uh, of discussion and a, and a point of emphasis. You know, you talk about teams getting better, playing a tough schedule, and uh, I've brought that up to coaches before, and sometimes you get a different point of view from coaches. Sometimes they say it makes you better in the long run. Some coaches say it will make you better in the long run if you don't get beat up, if injuries don't take a toll on you playing in such physical games against such good physical teams. But I agree, Independence is a very good football team, uh, a tough couple of games out of the stretch, out of the gate, but – if they get through it and, you know, they don't have a lot of injuries or anything certainly serious on their front, I think this does benefit them in the long run, and I think uh, they'll be a team to watch out come November. Yep. Let's keep it rolling. Creekwood at Fairview up next. And uh, this I mean, this game's interesting for Fairview. They are supposed to be on their turf this week. They're kind of cutting it close like Ravenwood was last week, so we'll see if that gets played at home or at Creekwood. But uh, – both these teams come in there with a little chip on their shoulders too. Uh, Chris, have you uh, have you guys seen the field? Seen uh, seen pictures of the field? Uh, you won't have any trouble finding the end zone. <laughs> I mean, I mean, teams that play them may have trouble getting to the end zone, but finding them not a problem. I mean, this is highlighter yellow. It's gorgeous. I mean, it is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, Fairview loves their yellow for sure, and I can tell you, it is confirmed. They do have white jerseys that they wear on the road because they wore them at Page. I didn't 
I didn't know this existed because you know <laughs> they love to wear those yellow jerseys even on the road, and and sometimes uh, it makes for a great colorful matchup. But uh, they did wear white last week, which was surprising to me. Now, though, Fairview had a lot of things go wrong last week, but they did have a lot of things go right. They controlled the time of possession on offense, and they had a chance to win the game. Uh, if they don't have to go to their third-string quarterback, they lost a first-stringer to Cramps, uh, and they lost their second uh, their second stringer to uh, Sickness. This team is tough and physical on both sides of the ball. And Creekwood, you know, they gave up 149 yards pa- uh, passing on defense and two TDs against Dixon County, but they never really were gashed. I think this is a really good matchup, guys. I think that, you know, Creekwood's offense, Fairview's defense – uh, these are two grinding physical teams, but don't be surprised if the game doesn't wind up in the hands of either quarterback Jacob Stevens of Creekwood or Kennedy Pendergrass of Fairview for at with the game on the line at the end. Well, guys, you talk about possibly being the first home game there for Fairview, new stadium, everything like that. Let's not take that for granted. And I know sometimes we overvalue emotion and momentum and stuff like that. But that means a lot to these kids to get out there and play on this field for the very first time. And this is these are two good football teams as well. They don't want to go out there and get embarrassed on their home field in the first game. Uh, they're on the new turf. So, you know, I really expect Fairview is going to come out and, and that just a little extra boost for them, particularly early in the football game, a lot of pride there. And I know they've got to be very excited about that. So, so don't let that just kind of sit by the wayside. I think that is going to be a little bit of a factor in this football game. Yeah. And one of their Williamson County brethren and Centennial had, their first game on their new turf last week as well, and they they shot Overton forty to nothing. So uh, that's a yeah, like you said, it's it's an emotional thing when you have a facility upgrade like that that's meaningful to the program, and that, that's one thing that uh, Fairview will pride itself on that turf. I know Chris Hughes wanted to get that uh, yellow turf, but they couldn't quite get it done. To, <laughs> they'll have no problem with the yellow end zones though. Let's take a break and we'll continue the discussion in week two in just a moment. This is the Mid-State 48 powered by 615 Preps. We're back in just a moment. Back here on the Mid-State 48, we continue a look at some of the week two games of note in the area. Gordonsville Watertown is next up and uh, Gordonsville coming off a big shutout win as we talked about last week. Watertown went on the road to Fayetteville and did not fare nearly as well. No, they didn't. Um, It was a respectable night for Watertown. Um, uh, Braden Casino uh, had a respectable night anyway. He's 148 yards passing, but they didn't do a whole lot on the ground. They uh, they only had 131 yards. 56 of those came from Casino. Um, but you know, you, you know, they got the score within eight to the defending 1A champs in the third. But then Fayetteville just kind of ran away with it. Um, I don't know if this is indicative. If this is just a first game kind of jitters or first game, you know, if they've got some some issues. We're going to learn a lot more in this game, I think, about what Watertown has versus, uh, you know, what they showed in that first game. Well, I'll tell you what, it, you know, seeing that score didn't quite surprise me. Uh, seeing Watertown lose to Fayetteville, I think this is, is kind of a bit of a rebuild year for Watertown. And I know the last few years, they've more or less reloaded than rebuilt. They've had some great seasons that they strung along each of the last few years. But at a point when you lose so much talent and you add a Quantarius Hughes Malone and a Jordan Kaysen and a Jordan Carter that they lost last year to a Doremus Carey that they lost a couple of years ago, 
And, uh, you know, some really good players that have been big anchors on this team for the last few years. Uh, I think this year it's going to be a bit of a learning and growing process. Uh, of course, they do, as you mentioned, have their quarterback back in Cousineau. And uh, there's some kids that are going to step up and be talented. But Fayetteville's a good football team. And I, didn't, I wasn't surprised to see them uh, knock off this Watertown team. I think Fayetteville's going to be able to make some noise this year. But this is a game, too, guys. Keep in mind, Watertown's kind of had Gordonsville's number for the last few years, even on paper, when it looked like Gordonsville might actually have the better football team, Watertown's always find, finding a way to win this football game. And let's factor in the rivalry aspect, of course, as well. Don't forget Gavin Webster, head coach at Watertown, played his high school ball at Gordonsville. So a lot of connections there. Yeah, and uh, Gordonsville kept this game close last year, too. So I, mean, I think they're going to be wanting a little bit of revenge from last season. And uh, I said earlier, their, their running game was non-existent in Smith County because of Smith County's front. They're going to have to find some way to get that running game going against Watertown, or it's going to be a lot more pressure on Matthew Alpert in that offense. Lebanon Wilson Central is next, and uh, these two teams no longer region rivals anymore. It's more of just an in-county rivalry between these two. But uh, uh, this could be an interesting matchup for both teams. I mean, both of them with something to prove this year. Yeah, I look at this Lebanon team and, uh, you know, Jalen Abston, the talk has been about him and how much talent he's got, the young man at quarterback uh, for Coach Chuck Gentry's team. And, and even if they're not region foes this year, guys, <laughs> these two teams are rivals. They play this as a rivalry game. And uh, you can bet the fans uh, will put a whole lot of stock in into it, even if the coaches look at it and it's not a region game this year. I think it's still a very important in-county game. I think it's a chance for Wilson Central to make a bit of a statement as they do step down in classification, uh, they feel better about their chances, you know, playoff chances and stuff moving forward. But they they still want to be one of the big dogs there over in Wilson County. And I think uh, this is a chance for them to to kind of make a statement early in the season. But I still really like this Lebanon team. And uh, uh, they were favored in preseason to win their region. And uh, they're, they're going to be tough for a lot of teams to beat this year. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what Lebanon actually brings to uh brings to the table. You really can't judge uh, week one. It was such a lopsided affair with Antioch uh, that you really couldn't get a good feel for uh, for how uh, how good Lebanon actually is. Uh, however, there were some mistakes that, uh, that did pop up. Uh, Jalen Abston uh, threw two picks in the first half. Uh, you can do that against Antioch and survive. You do that against Wilson Central and you're putting yourself in jeopardy. Uh, and there's a young defensive backfield uh, at uh, Wilson Central that will just feast on those uh, those kind of opportunities, I think. So it's going to be, you know, Lebanon is going to have to put last week, even though it was a, you know, a big win for them, put it behind them and, and move forward and, and really kind of forget about it because uh, Wilson Central um, will jump up, like you said, Tom, this is a rivalry game. It means everything. And you throw the records out or you can throw, you know, any results out. These teams are going to go at each other. Yeah, Scott, like you said, this will be the, really the first good look we get at Lebanon because Antioch, uh, even though they were a 6A program, they only dressed a little more than two dozen players last week. So uh, that program has some numbers issues, and it showed in the final score. It was 44 nothing in the first half. And uh, Lebanon just pretty much took control of that one early and often. And didn't We didn't really get to see – a lot of what Lebanon can be in a second half situation, but we will see that this week. Page and Franklin, uh, Williamson County schools going at it in this one. Uh, Franklin needs to bounce back and bounce back fast because they went to Riverdale and didn't have a good night. They lost 37 to nothing 
in that in that showdown and uh page got the win over fairview but uh franklin needs to bounce back in a bad way yeah franklin needs to forget about last week for the opposite reason that lebanon needs to forget about last week they really just had a very very uh poor outing they had five turnovers gave up a pick six and a fumble return uh, they only rushed for 32 yards. They were 0 for 4 passing. I mean, nothing on offense was really, really working. Um, you know, yeah, it, it it is Riverdale. I mean, that's one of the class defenses in uh, in the state. But still, I mean, there's just a lot, a lot of problems there. And this Page team is a team that can take advantage of it. Uh, the only question is, is uh, can Jake McNamara play? I know he was pulled last week, but Colin Hurd came in and played very well against Fairview. So uh, really it's going to be a question of whether or not Franklin can just turn it around, put last week behind them and come out firing. And you made a good point there about Franklin putting this game behind them and uh Riverdale's defense is going to make a lot of offensive struggle this year, guys. They, they look really, really good, really, really solid. And if you are Franklin and your coach Alex Melton, you're you're telling your kids, okay, hey, tough week, but you know we played a great team. Let's put it all behind us. We got another very good team this week, and Paige coming in and, and refocus on that. And again, I mentioned it earlier how kids how they handle things. And once again, you hope it's that mentality where they're going to bounce right back. They're not going to think a second thought about it. They got back to practice on Monday. They refocused and they're getting ready for this big game coming up on a Friday night and uh, hoping for a much better showing. Yeah. And Franklin's kind of in the same situation that Brentwood is. They're going back home for their opener at home against page Brentwood going back home after a loss to Blackman. So how they deal with those losses on their home turf the next week is going to be big for them going forward. Pearl Cone at NBA. We've talked about both these teams. We had both these teams covered last week. Um, not going to spend a whole lot of time on that one. We're going to go ahead and go to our spotlight game of the week. Springfield at Clarksville. One of the Mid-State's oldest rivalries goes back a long, long way. And they didn't get to play this game last year. And these two teams are really ready to face off again for the first time since 2019. Yeah, uh, th this is going to be a, a really an interesting uh, matchup. Um, you know, Springfield really got out of the gate uh, uh, last week against a Greenbrier team that I thought was going to be you know, put up a much bigger fight than what they did. Um, but they basically just ran all over them. Uh, Lamarius Daniels, uh, 19 carries, 146 yards and four TDs. I mean, uh, he had a career day. You know, 45 passing yards, they didn't do a whole lot there. Um, but their defense, they only gave up two first downs in the first half and only five total to Greenbrier. Now, Clarksville, you know, they they only they struggled against McGavick, but I still think they're trying to find out exactly who they are on offense. Rayshon Bowling appears to have won the uh, quarterback battle, uh, but, you know, they lost Davin Geringer, who they were counting on to be their quarterback. He tore his labrum playing baseball. So Rayshon's the man now. Um, I think it's going to be take a little bit of time for that offense to come together. But they are very, very explosive. And uh, they're not going to be a pushover, I don't think, for Springfield. 
Got a good rivalry game to boot, as you mentioned, Springfield and Clarksville, one of the state's oldest rivalries you love. Anytime you can see a game like that, Smith County, Gordonsville being an example of that last week. But uh, I was kind of taken aback by Springfield's win, too, over Greenbrier. I expected that to be a uh, – when I say expected – Again, first week of the season, and Greenbrier may bounce back and have an outstanding season, but I thought it was a good win for Springfield coming out and getting that uh, 41 nothing shutout there in week one. I think a good statement win for them. Clarksville, uh, things looking a little more iffy. Can they bounce back in week two, especially in this big rivalry game? We'll see how they fare this week. Yeah, it's one of those games where you really don't want to look over anybody heading to region play in week three, so especially with a rival coming in like that. Both these teams going to be focused on this game and this game alone this week. That, that should be a good one for us to – taking up there in Clarksville. First time we're really getting up there for a spotlight game too, which would be nice. Yep. Let's take a quick break. We're going to come back with who you got, and then we'll wrap it up. This is the Mid-State 48, powered by 615 Preps. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Mid-State 48. Time for us to pick some winners this week. It is time for who you got. And let's just go ahead and show everybody how everybody did. The fans, well, the fans beat us, and let's just the as they should. <laughs> Ants beat us last week. They went eight and two. Uh, the three of us, well, we couldn't get apart for, not, for anything. We all went seven and three. <laughs> and then Drake went seven and four or six and four. And Reggie had a bad week, Scott. <laughs> Don't blame me. It's a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I spent most I of Friday. I, I spent most of Friday feeling like I was doing worse than Reggie with some of the scores I kept seeing. <laughs> look, look, I have to change his litter box. You tell me who's smarter. Okay. Good point. <laughs> you've justified. You've justified the argument, Scott. Congratulations. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to need a little overtime to get who you got in this week, but that's all right. We'll go ahead and uh, get right down to it. Let's. Uh, Kind of take a look at the picks for this week and see who everybody has. Right. There's our five, first five games. Brentwood Academy at CPA. Let's just bring Reggie in right here. And Brentwood Academy at CPA. Who did everybody pick? Drake going lone wolf with Brentwood Academy. Everybody else siding with CPA. Surprised? No, I, I – well – I think that CPA is uh, ha hasn't shown a whole lot of weakness yet. Um, exactly. So I think that uh, to me that that was uh, until until they show something, uh, I, it's hard to pick against them. Yeah. yeah. Drake goes to Brentwood Academy. The other four of us go with CPA. Father Ryan at Brentwood. Let's see how these kinks. Brentwood goes. Drake goes to Brentwood. Scott goes to Brentwood. Tom is the lone wolf with Father Ryan in week two. I guess I felt a little bit like maybe some hangover for Brentwood. But then again, coming home, this was a toss-up game for me, guys. I, it really battled back and forth on that one. All right. Good pasture at Nashville Christian. And 3-2 for Nashville Christian. Reggie and myself taking good pasture. I like what Good Pastor did against the USJ last week, and I think that uh, they may have some momentum coming into this game at Nashville Christian. Um, could be a close one. Could be a high school one, like Scott says, but uh, I think Good Pastor has a chance to be 2-0 after this week. Let's see Independence at Lipscomb Academy. Who did everybody go with that one? Lipscomb Academy across the board, and I think we were all not really 
surprised by these picks because Muslim Academy had such a big win over Great Atlanta Christian and Independence had some second half struggles against CPA. So thinking that Lipscomb Academy may continue this hot start. Creekwood at Fairview. Tom goes to Creekwood. All by myself again, guys. I'm uh, rolling the dice on a couple of these. I was hoping to share the litter box with Reggie, but uh, he's going to go. He's going to go Fairview here. But uh, uh, again, another one. I just looked at, you know, a pretty close matchup. I thought, and I'm going to go with Creekwood and, and a minor upset on the road. Well, uh, you you could be the one to say we. I told you so because <laughs> those last week where the lone wolf actually wins out and. Uh, Next week, we'll show you who had the uh, the told you so moments of the week. <laughs> These picks. Everyone, you step on Reggie. You went to the, you went to that side, and that side means that you select Wilson Central High School. <laughs> All right. A little bit different tact voting for Reggie this week with the 11 Wilson Central pick, uh, which we'll show those in just a second. First, Gordonsville at Watertown. And, Tom, you and I are going with Gordonsville. Yeah, I just – I think, again, Watertown's going to be a better team as the season goes along. Although they've had, as I mentioned earlier, they've had Gordonsville's number in this rivalry in recent years. I just feel like maybe it's Gordonsville's turn. I know they struggled somewhat running the football last week against Smith County, but – just a gut feeling here. I think Gordonsville's do, and I think they get a big win on the road. I agree. I think Gordonsville will keep that passing game going and hopefully maybe find a little bit of a running game that they can use to balance that offense out a little bit. Should be an improvement over week one for the Tigers as well. Now, we mentioned Lebanon at Wilson Central. We know who Reggie's going with. He's going with Wilson Central. Everybody else, a bit split. Drake goes to Wilson Central, and the three of us siding with Lebanon. Yeah, I think Lebanon, uh, they've, they've got a lot of firepower on on offense. I think that uh, Wilson Central still a bit young. Uh, I think that Lebanon may you – know, I think it's going to be a close game, but I think Lebanon pulls it out. All right. Let's see Paige and Franklin, who everybody went with there. Drake with Franklin. I went with Franklin. The other three went with Paige. Okay, I'll explain Franklin. I think they bounce back at home. I think that uh, you know Bryce Parks gets running behind – Fisher Anderson and this offensive line kind of asserts itself against Page. And I think that the, the Admirals are going to bounce back in a big way at home in front of their own fans. Pearl Cone of the NBA. And it's NBA up. Oh, mm, Tom went with Pearl Cone. Reggie went with Pearl Cone. I know it's going to be a tough game on the road for Pearl Cone, but again, getting Barry and Brown back. And I was really impressed by Pearl Cone last week. Impressed by their physicality, impressed by their depth, impressed by their defensive effort. As much as they were a ballyhooed for what they did on offense, particularly in the running game, thought that defense looked outstanding for Pearl Cone. This would be a big win for them. Obviously, it's never easy to win at uh, NBA, but I'm going to go with Pearl Cone. I think they pulled it off on the road. Hey, we roll the dice here sometimes. I mean, no, nothing wrong with that at all. And, and you know, and – I feel the same way for the same reason for NBA. I think that they played a near flawless game. Uh, they've been, uh, and avoiding mistakes has been a focus this off season, but I think this game, uh, well, this game has potential. I don't know if they can make scoreboards that will can count as high as the potential in this game. Absolutely. But I think it's close early, but I actually think the NBA uh, pulls away from this one near the end. That's a big scoreboard of the NBA, but I think you're right. It may be hard to get that high with the number of points you can put up. Springfield at Clarksville will close this out. Let's see who everybody picked in this one. And in our spotlight game of the week, it is 
Drake with Clarksville, Tom with Clarksville, Scott with Springfield. I took Springfield, and Reggie took Clarksville. Yeah, that I, again, you know, this game is going to be very, uh, I think, a very quick paced game. Both these teams like to run. It's going to be interesting to see how the speed of Springfield matches up with the size of Clarksville. I do like Clarksville a lot. They're physical, they're quick, but I think they're missing a dimension to their game. And that dimension would keep those speedy secondary players on their heels for Springfield. Right. And that might have been what got me with Clarksville. It, be, it being a rivalry game. They're playing at home. You know, such such a great atmosphere it should be for this game coming up on Friday night. And this was almost a toss-up game for me because looking at both teams, I like a lot of aspects about these two teams on paper. But, again, it being a rivalry and it being a home game, I'm going to go with Clarksville. All right. Take one last look at the picks for who you got this week. Uh, they're the first five games on your screen. Uh, if you're listening to us on podcast, sorry you can't see it. But take a look at the next five real quick, and then we are about to get out of here. So, guys, real quick time for one last word. Well, guys, for my last word this week, it's just uh, – you know, again, lots of thoughts and prayers going out to the folks in Waverly. And, uh, uh, you know, we're not worried about football in Waverly right now. I don't know a lot of people are, you know, saying a lot of prayers. And uh, uh, it's good to see the gestures, as you guys mentioned earlier, all the, uh, the outpouring of, of love and help to that community with all that uh, happened during the flooding last week. But uh, just hoping that uh, some semblance of normalcy will be able to return in the coming weeks, and not just for the football team and the school, but for that community as well. And uh, one other note, let's uh, let's hope COVID, you know, this is not going to rob us of, an, you know, parts of another high school football season, but already it's taken its toll on these first two weeks. Yeah, let's let's try to be uh, um, let's try to be as smart as we can. Uh, try to do the things we need to do necessary to make sure these kids have a season. We we saw uh, partial seasons taken away last year. Uh, we saw uh, teams having to fight for the chance to play. So um, you know, like Tom said, let's just you know try to do things the right way and uh, and see if we can't keep the the COVID thing at bay. Yeah, definitely well said for both of you. Um, mainly my last word is this. You know, just uh, let's keep doing what we need to do to keep these kids in the field because you know, 2020 is bad enough. Let's, let's be better in 2021. And you know, we're already seeing some effects of, of COVID. Uh, we don't want that. We don't want a repeat of 2020 at all. So let's uh, do what needs to be done to, to make sure that they're still on the field. So that's all I got. And that's all the time we've got. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We will talk to you next week. Until then. For Scott Burton, for Tom Duggan, I'm Chris Brooks. This is Mid-State 48, where we try to get you ready for Friday night in 48 minutes or less. We need a little overtime sometimes. See you guys. Thank you for watching. The Mid-State 48, powered by 615 Preps, is a production of B-Squared Media, LLC.